If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 6. You can see that we've taken a little bit of a detour the past couple weeks from uh, Philippians and talked about uh, gospel clarity in the midst of an election season, and here we find ourselves on our first stewardship uh, Prove the Tithe Sunday, and so we're going to uh, take a quick little break and just uh, talk about gratitude, the heart of stewardship. That's our thought here this morning. We want to leave this place with hearts full of gratitude. Now, if we're honest, 2020 has brought us some curveballs, um, some things that we're not expecting or we wanted or desiring, and it's taken some stuff from us. Maybe it's some, taken some things that you were excited about, some things that you had planned, maybe some family vacations that you had planned out, got dashed, or maybe it was just a, a tough year financially or a tough year personally. Maybe there's some job loss or maybe being in, uh, indoors for as long as it was with you and your family brought about some some strife or whatever it may be. Maybe there's just been a season of lament, anger, frustration. Maybe you're just ready for 2020 to be in the rearview mirror and 2021 to get here, right? Just feel it. Feel that angst. And it can be a season of just, God, I, I just, I just want to pull away. I just want to be done with it. Like, I just, I'm, I'm done. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. We can... You can feel in our hearts just this sense of just, ugh. If we're not careful, that can lead us to a place of just, I don't want to give. I don't want to invest. I don't want to serve. I don't want to love. I don't want to be. I don't want to do. I just want to hold back because I'm just frustrated and everything going on. So this morning, I want us to, I want us to circle our efforts on this idea of gratitude. That from gratitude spills over into so many different areas and facets of our heart that we need to have these deep hearts of gratitude over us. So our goal this morning as we proclaim this verse together in Psalms that we want to know and thank the Lord for his goodness and his steadfast love that has endured for generation after generation and will continue for generation after generation. But that's our heart. That's our hope. That's our goal this morning. That as we leave this place, our hearts are whelmed over with gratitude. And so let's read this passage. Let's see. From 2 Corinthians 9, this is our theme passage for stewardship. So let's see in it where the Lord takes us. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your uh, outline sheet, let's follow along together. Uh, Pull this, make sure you have this out with you, this short little uh, sermon outline. 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that by having all sufficiency in all things, that at all times you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He supplies seed to the sower, and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we need you this morning. But again, as we've talked about week after week, we don't want to come into this place with with hard hearts. We want to walk in here with moldable hearts that you can use and transform and make more into your image. Lord, we want to leave this place with grateful overflowing grateful hearts. Lord, teach us now as we come to your word, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You see, 
on verse 6, the first point on your outline. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever will reap bountifully has sowed bountifully. So the first question I want to ask us this morning is, are we, are you planting? Are you planting? Are we planting? Now, to, to help drive this home, I always wanted to do this, pull something from the pulpit. So here we go. So I've got this, this jar here. And in about a month, my goal in a month, this nice, I feel like it's a nice pretty, pretty pot here. Um, in a month here, I'm expecting, fully expecting this to be bursting forth with beautiful flowers. I'm expecting flowers to come forth from this vase here. And I cannot wait to bring it back in a month and show you these beautiful flowers. Because we all love flowers, don't we? Do we not? I'll take it to another church and they will love the flowers, all right? So we'll take it somewhere else where there will be flowers to be appreciated and joy to be had by these flowers that will be here. And I'm expecting in a month to see some flowers come forth from this. And, and see, there's a problem, right? It's empty. It's empty. There's, uh, dust is coming out everywhere, but there's, there's no dirt in here. There's nothing. This is bone dry. And so is it just... Is it ignorant and dumb of me to believe that in a month I can see flowers grow forth from this? The church would say, yes, Mark, that's ignorant and dumb. You should not expect flowers to grow forth from a pot that has no soil. And more importantly, it has no seeds. We'll just leave that there for you to look at, okay? The deal is, yes, it is extremely just ignorant in the height of idiocracy for me to look at this pot and say, I cannot wait in a month for me to bring this pot back and flowers to just burst forth like beautiful whatevers to, for everybody to see. That's, that's what you call dumb. Makes no sense. It's not going to work. You will not see, as much as you want to see, flowers grow forth from this pot unless something happens. We've got to fill it with dirt, do we not? Step one. We may need to give it some sunshine and some rain and, and, and important to that you need some seeds to be in there, do you not? You need some ingredients to be inside this pot so beautiful flowers can be brought forth. And I hope at this point you see the, the simple link between this pot and our spiritual growth and lives and the investment that we make in God's kingdom. It would be ludicrous for me to believe just this pie-in-the-sky dream that I'm all of a sudden going to be a devoted follower of Jesus if not, I have not invested anything in my life. This morning, Micah made it through his first church service as a four-year-old. He sat in church the entire time. And I got to look, and I was fixing to make this point, and I looked over, and he was big, making this huge, big yawn right as I called him out. But as I look at my son, Micah, a four-year-old, I have great dreams for my son. I want him to know Jesus. I want him to grow up knowing that Jesus loves him. I want him to know that he has a savior that cares for him. And I want him to know the Bible and know these great truths of God's word. I want him to be surrounded with the truth and principles of God's word. But it would be equally as insane for me to say, Michael, you're here now. Go figure it out, son. You're four now. It's time for you to figure it out. It'd be insane. It would be insane for me never to tell him what God has done in my life, for me to never do anything spiritual for him, to not show him and de demonstrate him. I can't expect to see the beautiful flower of faith blossom in his life unless there's investments made. Now, hear me say, God can do miraculous things, friends. But it's, it's a little bit crazy for me to think as a father to my son that I'm just going to 
not make any investments in his life. That's why I bring him around this place. So he's around you so that you can invest seed to the gospel in his life. So the things that I tell him at home are reinforced as he walks into this place. So the question comes up again, are you planting? Are you investing? For those of you who work, when you go to work and you go about your jobs, are you investing seeds of the gospel in people's lives around you? So when the time comes, you're sowing fruit of the gospel because you're planting day after day, week after week, the seeds of the gospel in your workplaces. Are you planting? Husbands, are you planting the seeds of the gospel around your wife to love her and to care for her and to wash her in the water of your word, of his word? Are you caring and loving for your wife? Grandparents, are you sowing seed to the gospel in your grandchildren? Are you planting? This is a critical issue. Because many times we just believe that somehow, some way, we're just all of a sudden going to be these spiritual giants. And that we're going to have all that we need at the right time. And yes, God does supply and God does do miraculous things with the morsels we give. But I'm asking you, friends, are we planting? There's been no other season of my life when I've seen this more evident than as a story I've shared many a time here from this pulpit that several years ago when we, my mom got the news of her uh, diagnosis of cancer. We're sitting there at UAB, and it's one of those images that's firmly uh, marked into my brain. We're sitting in one of those little uh, rooms in the ICU there, operating room, and they've got the gurney covered, and these two doctors walked in, and they said, Miss Bethay, you have pancreatic cancer, and it's progressed very far, and You've got about three to six months to live with no treatments. And in that moment, as I began to feel a little bit of uneasiness in my heart, I looked at my mom, who had this kind of smile across her face, and there was a peace that surpassed all understanding. Now, is that something that just was fabricated the day of? All of a sudden, she had a peace that surpassed all understanding? No. She had years and years of sowing seeds of gospel truth into her heart and into her soul. Years and years of investing in the life of a body of believers so that when the time came where she was met with terrible news, she was prepared and she walked through it with people all around her, with gospel truth all around her, with a peace that surpassed all understanding. And I believe sometimes, sometimes, friends, we're waiting for these flowers to bloom where we have done no work to cultivate and plant any seeds. You see right here, the point is this. Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Friends, this is a spiritual principle that is not just written here in 2 Corinthians. This is pervaded all throughout the scripture. That if we're speaking words that are negative and hurtful to other people, then essentially the Bible tells us that what we put in is what comes out. It's a spiritual concept that goes all through our, our spiritual lives that what we sow is what we have reaped, or what we reap is what we have sowed. And so if we're going to sow very sparingly, no gospel seeds being planted, if we're not going to give ourselves to the gospel, if we're not going to give ourselves our time, our talents, and treasure, then we will expect to receive very, very little. Friends, there's going to be cautions here to someone saying, well, my goal here is to give $10 to the Lord and I'll get $20 or $30 back. That's what this is teaching. We're going to see some cautions here in just a moment. But first and foremost, I want you to be crystal clear. As you look across the landscape of your life that God has called you into, how are you planting the seeds of the gospel? How are you investing gospel with your time, talents, and treasure? How are you planting and what are you planting? 
It's a critical question for us to ask this morning because as we do this, we look at verse 7 and we see that giving of ourselves reveals and refines our hearts. Giving reveals and it refines our hearts. Look at verse 7. Each must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly and under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That as we sit down in our homes and we ask ourselves, Lord, what are you calling me to? What do you, what do you have for me, Lord? What is it that you are calling? That it begins in our hearts as we cheerfully, as we lovingly, as we carefully decide, Lord, what is it that you are calling me to? You decide it in your heart. It's not a flippant process that we walk through. And as we go through a time of stewardship, this is not a time where we just say, here's your pledge card, turn it in and give it back. We're asking for our church to go through a process of verse 7 of deciding in your heart, Lord, what are you calling me to? What do you want from me in this life, Lord? What do you, what do you want for me to go and invest in, Lord? Are you calling me to serve? Are you calling me to give up of my time and talents and treasure? This is an intentional process where we're not just filling out a card and turning in. It is a moment for us to come to verse 7 and decide in our hearts what is right. To carefully look over the way that God has blessed us in a multitude of ways. And say, Lord, here I am. I'm willing. Or what would you have for me? What are you calling me to? And you see these caveats, not reluctantly and under compulsion. God's not in the cosmos of heaven saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, or you will be eternally smitten. You don't see that in Scripture. You see God desiring in us cheerful givers, loving, caring givers who give of themselves to the Lord. I'm reminded about, I was reminded about 11 or 12 years ago, I had one of these processes that brought this to life, and I'd been dating Brittany for seven years, seven wonderful years we'd been dating. And we first started dating there in sixth grade, and in 10th grade, I asked her, to, asked her to be my girlfriend, and we continued dating until we got married. But there came a point where after seven years of dating, it was time, yeah, it was time. But there comes a thing that guys have to do. We, we went out, we have to buy these engagement rings, and any of you are familiar with that process? And I went out to look at engagement rings, and by golly, those things are expensive. Uh, I was not aware of the expense that came alongside with those engagement rings. And I was a little short on cash being right in college. And so uh, a few years before this, I had invested some money into a little company called NVIDIA. That may not mean anything to you. Uh, just a side note, I'm a huge nerd. Uh, before the Lord called me to ministry, I wanted to write tech reviews for gadgets. I just love technology. And I thought that this little company called NVIDIA was going to be the next wave of the future. And so I busted all my money in there and let it grow. And things went really well. But there came a point where I said, if I'm going to ask this girl to marry me, I want to buy an engagement ring. And I don't have the money, but I got it in this little stock. So did I go to my broker and say, hey, man, this is like the worst thing in the whole world but I need this money. I've got to buy this ring for this girl, and this is killing me, but i got to do it. Of course not. Man, it was like, how quickly can I get that money out of that stock and over to the jeweler to buy that ring so I could get down on a knee and ask this girl in my dreams to be my bride? And that was the intention. It was not under compulsion or reluctantly. I could not wait to go get that ring and sell that stock. And this past week, I just happened to look and see how that stock was doing. Since that time I sold it, it's risen 1,200%. We'd be in great shape if I had not sold that stock. But do you think there's any regret in my heart? Of course not. I would sell it all over again. Put me in a time machine. I'm selling that thing just as quickly because of what and who she was and what I was called to do. Marry her. 
Friends, there's no reluctancy and compulsion in my heart to marry my bride. So friends, as you get to verse 7, there's a willful moment in which we honestly evaluate, Lord, here's how you have blessed me. You've given me incredible gifts, incredible talents, incredible resources. Lord, how do you want me to use them? And we lay all that at the altar. And friends, at times it can reveal and it can refine our hearts. Again, if I had gone to that broker and said, I've got to to take this money out. It's killing me. I don't want to do it. Do you think the broker would have said, maybe this isn't a good idea? Maybe you should rethink this engagement period here. And as you come to these moments, when you you give of yourself, give of your time and your talents and your treasure to the Lord, if it may reveal some things in our heart. I'll confess, friends, right here, that there's been seasons where I've had my tithe check sitting where you are, right there. And there's been moments where I've held it in my hand and it's been mighty hard to put it in that plate. Seasons where I felt like, God, I, I, need, I don't know if I want to give this. I mean, I've worked hard. I don't know if this is the right thing. Maybe I could give a little less or maybe in the future I'll give a little more. And I'll just, I, I've held on extremely, extremely tight. I can tell you in those moments where I've done that, it's revealed a lot about my heart. Times where I've been extremely ungrateful to the Lord. Times where I've just held back. It also reminds me in those seasons where I'm extremely busy. Lord's called me here, and all of a sudden there's a detour in my pathway, and somebody needs my help or assistance, and there's been seasons where I think, I don't have time for that. I can't do that. There's too much going on, and I don't have time to go. It reveals a lot in my heart when I hold back my time and my treasure and my talents from the Lord. So as we come to this stewardship season, look deeply at verse 7. Talk about it in your homes. Pray, Lord, what are you calling me to? What does it reveal, and how does it refine my heart as I look at these things that God has blessed me with and how I want to give back through the Lord? Because ultimately, as giving reveals and refines our heart, we come to this incredible fact that God is the source of all this. God is the source of all these incredible truths. Look at verse 8. And God is able, and look how it, this verse spells out, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that by having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is the source of all this. And at times and seasons, as, even as I go to lunch and as I purchase lunch for myself, I sit there, you can think with this, with this meal that's in front of you or this meal that you cook at home. A heart of graciousness is reminded, Lord, thank you for the job that allowed me to buy this food. Thank you for the taste buds that allow me to enjoy this food. Lord, thank you for the skills that you've given me to hold this job down so that I can purchase this food and and eat it with my family. There's an overwhelming amount of gratitude that comes from the Lord and what his goodness is to us. There's been seasons where you can think, well, okay, if I give to the Lord, if I sow sparingly, I'll also get back sparingly. So I'm going I'm to give bountifully to the Lord so I'll get back all these great, I'll even at times be rich if I just give to the Lord. But you see here it's written, having all sufficiency, that you may abound in every good work. Friend, if the Lord gives you back a portion of what you've given to him, know that he's given it to you to be used for his kingdom purposes. He's given you extra time to be used for his kingdom purposes. He's given you extra resources to be used for his kingdom purposes so we don't get more so that we can hoard it in together and just say, I've got myself figured out. We are given more so that we have more of a responsibility to give it away to others who need and so the gospel can go forward. God is the source, friends. 
God is the source of all of our good gifts. And so we come now to this last final point. Gratitude fuels our generosity. Gratitude is going to be the fuel for our generosity. You see Psalm 107, as we talked about earlier. Oh, thanks be to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. If you look at your heart, as you examine your heart this week, and you see a heart that is anything but grateful, excuse me, anything but generous, if you feel yourself being stingy and frustrated by all these different things that come your way of giving, and if you feel yourself not being generous, ask yourself, how is your gratitude? Are you grateful to the Lord for the good things that he has done. My favorite parable in all of scripture is the parable of the forgiven debts. And I want to condense it real quick. We don't have much time. You basically have two debtors who come before this uh, person and one person's got a very small debt, maybe a $15, $20 debt, and that debt is forgiven. You know that guy was probably excited to have that small debt forgiven. He was probably high-fiving and that would be a great deal. But the other man had this massive debt forgiven, this mortgage-sized debt forgiven. Do you know what his response was? It was jumping up and down, joy-filled. Everything in his life changed at that massive debt that was taken away. And friends, if we don't recognize the depth by which God has done for us, if we don't realize the, the incredible work that Lord has done in our life to give us incredible blessings and gifts and mercy, if our heart is lacking in gratitude to the Lord, then we will simply not be generous people. We'll not be generous with our time. We'll not be generous with our talents and resources. And so if you feel the, the stinginess of, of life hits you, ask yourself, Lord, am I grateful? Or am I, do I have a grateful heart to you? Am I thankful for the goodness of who you are? These final moments, I just turn over your little outline here. On the back of your outline, you'll see Four simple points in a prayer and reflection. I want us to spend just a moment praying for four special things. I'm going to say them real quickly and then we'll pray over them. First is that we would have a generous heart. I'm going to pray right now that we would have a generous heart from the Lord, that he would give us a generous heart to be open and malleable, to ask, Lord, what are you calling me to? Secondly, that we would have a willing spirit to, as we feel the Lord calling us to these areas to be generous and give of ourselves, that we would be willing, that our hearts would be open to give and go and share and love, that we would have a willing spirit, that we would have extensive gratitude, that our gratitude would extend far and wide, that we would be overflowing people with gratitude, that everything that comes our way, we are thankful to the Lord. Our hearts express gratefulness to the Lord time in and time out. And lastly, that we would have trust, a deeper trust in God. And so for these next maybe two minutes, two, three minutes, what I want us to do is you take this little outline in front of you and just, just maybe look at it. And I'm going to pray over us these four things. And as I'm praying, I want you to pray alongside me. I know it's easy for us to just listen to the preacher as he, as he prays, but I want you to pray there in the quietness of your little area. Pray these specific things in your area, in your heart, in your life, where God is calling you. Pray these things in your heart as I pray them aloud. But let's join our hearts together and let's pray these specifically. Lord, we're asking now that you would give us a, a generous heart. Lord, we need to be more generous. Lord, we want to be more generous of our time, Lord. When there's people and distractions and things that come our way that we feel busy and that we feel like we don't have the time for that, Lord, would you, would you allow us to be generous, Lord, with our time? Lord, help us. Lord, show us. Demonstrate us. Refine our hearts, Lord, to be more generous. Lord, we want to be more generous with our 
with our money, with our resources, Lord. We want to give knowing that you will bless those gifts, that kingdom ministry will take place, Lord. Would we be generous to those around us who are in need, Lord? Lord, teach us to be generous with our talents, Lord, the, the incredible gifts that you have blessed us with. Lord, we want to be generous with them. So help us. Lord, we want to be willing. Lord, give us this willing spirit to, to use our gifts, to go and to share and to tell. Lord, we want to be willing participants in your ministry and your calling, Lord. We want to be willing believers ready to go, ready to sacrifice, ready to, to give ourselves to you, Lord. So give us this willing spirit. Lord, fill us. Fill us to the overflow with extensive gratitude to you. Lord, we want to be grateful for every avenue and every area of our life. So Lord, fill us. Fill us overflowing with extensive and far-reaching gratitude that from the moment we wake up in the morning and we take that first breath as we awaken and as we're reminded that your mercies renew, Lord, let us be thankful and grateful. As we put our head on the pillow that night, as we look back over our day, Lord, fill us with gratitude that breath was in our lungs and our blood flowed freely through our bodies and our heart pumped wonderfully well. And Lord, thank you. Lord, fill us with far-reaching gratitude to you for your graciousness and gratefulness to us. And Lord, fill us with a deep and abiding trust when we don't know how to do it when we don't know where to go, what to do, how long to do it, where to, when we don't know all the answers to all the questions, when we just, when we feel the frustration or whatever it may be in our spirits, Lord, fill us with a trust and a deep, resonating, faith-filled trust in you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the goodness of who you are and what you've done. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.